Uh, if you're interested, a couple of books they've partnered with, actually there's a quote from uh, Nick Ripkin in this uh, prayer guide, but there's a couple of books by him, one called The Insanity of God and the Insan another one is The Insanity of Obedience uh, that really do talk about what God's doing among the persecuted church globally. Uh, and there's some, some great stories in there, so I encourage you to pick that up if you want to learn more. All right, so we are starting a new series on the Apostles' Creed today. Uh, the Apostles' Creed might be a new for you. Some of you grew up in a liturgical church or Catholic church of some kind, and you're, you're like, oh, yes, the Apostles' Creed. I said that every single time you know, I went to church uh, for years. Others of you are uh, from maybe from non-denominational backgrounds or charismatic backgrounds or uh, Baptist backgrounds, and you, you're like, the Apostles' Creed, is, is that a band? Um, or is that the guy that Rocky fought? Uh, you know, in, in Rocky one, uh, and no, that's not, not the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed uh, is an ancient confession of faith. It's an ancient creed that God has used in the church uh, for, for over 1,500 years. My first encounter with the Apostles' Creed was my freshman year in college when I, when I became a Christian, uh, started following Jesus. Um, I, I, I started getting into Christian music at the time, some of which was truly terrible, um, but there were there was some good there were some good groups and bands back then, and I remember this one song uh, called Creed um, by a guy named Rich Mullins, and uh, I I remember thinking that is such a good song. I loved the song. I'd listen to it over and over again, uh, and I had no idea that it was based on the Apostles' Creed. It's literally the Apostles' Creed uh, with with a chorus that he adds to it a couple of times, and it's interesting because the chorus itself stuck with me over the years and came back to me as I was thinking about this series. Um, and he, he emphasizes one of the reasons why we're taking time to focus on this. He, this, is, this is the chorus. He says, and I believe what I believe is what makes me what I am. I did not make it. No, it is making me. It is the very truth of God and not the invention of any man. So he captures two reasons why we're doing the Apostles' Creed here. One is that uh, he says it makes me what I am. This, this confession of faith, the Apostles' Creed, uh, is, is truth that makes Christians who they are. It shapes who we are. It's not some interesting theological treatise that we, you know, we're supposed to reflect on these ideas, but ideas that change and transform who we are as people. Uh, and then the other idea he has is and uh, the very truth of God and not the invention of any man. Now, the Apostles' Creed was not written by, by, um, by the actual apostles, and it's not in Scripture explicitly, but what we find is the ideas, the theological truths from the Apostles' Creed is a, a succinct picture of Scripture. It's a succinct, succinct picture at the core of the Christian faith. And so I know Scripture, we as a church preach Scripture, and that's what we're going to do through this series. What we're going to do is look at the ideas or the truths from the Apostles' Creed from Scripture during this series. Because the Apostles' Creed, as great as it is, has no glory of its own. It's written by people. Uh, so you can think of it as the moon, right? You go out, you go out at night and you see a beautiful a full moon and it's reflecting uh, at you. The moon has no light of its own. The moon has no glory of its own. Moon by itself is actually really drab. But what we see is the reflection of the sun, right? The glory of the sun comes to us through the moon at night. And so what, what Scripture does or what the Apostles' Creed does is it funnels Scripture to us, the truth of Scripture in a way that's memorable, uh, in a way that we can, you can actually easily uh, reflect and pray through and even memorize. Now, the Apostles' Creed dates back to around the 4th century. Uh, the precise origin is unknown. Uh, there's no historical evidence that the actual apostles 
said these things, but, but within a generation, a couple of generations, the, the, the first followers that, that learned from the, at the feet of the apostles uh, began to put together these pieces. We have roots of parts of the Apostles' Creed that date back into the second century. Um, the abbreviated uh, version uh, is, is second century. The, the final version that we have today came about in the fifth century. So basically today, we're gonna read together the Apostles' Creed in just a moment. 1,500 years it has been used by the church around the globe, many different uh, traditions. It, it, early on, it was a confession of, of uh, faith at baptism. So the, the Christian who, a person who became a Christian would be in the water getting ready to be baptized and they would say, the, uh, the person who was baptizing them would say, uh, do you believe in God the Father, uh, almighty maker of heaven and earth? And they would say, I believe. And they would baptize them, they'd come up. Then they would say, uh, do you believe in Jesus Christ, the only son, you know, and, and so on and so forth, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and because there's three confessions in the Apostles' Creed, I believe, I believe, I believe, related to uh, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Now, as we're kicking off this series, we're just gonna focus on the words, I believe, this week. And if, you're, if you know the Apostles' Creed, you're like, the words, I believe, are a very small part of the Apostles' Creed. I guess we're gonna be in it until Christmas, right? If we take it two words at a time. But uh, we're, we're gonna pick it up a bit. It's actually just gonna take us through about mid-August. But what we're doing today is because the Apostles' Creed is built on this idea of faith, uh, we're gonna look at this concept of I believe. Now, you might think uh, for your, whoops. You might think to yourself, regular, for, for people that uh, might be joining church or checking out church, uh, I believe sounds like a faith statement, right? And I'm not sure, you know, people go, well, I, I don't know if I can, I can buy into that. What, what we miss, though, is that every single person has a belief system. Every single person that you'll see on the streets today when you leave this place has a belief system that they're holding to. They often don't think about why they believe what they believe, but they do have a belief system. And here's the thing, it's interesting that in our secular culture, which has, has disconnected from some Judeo-Christian sort of roots, um, people believe things that are consistent with the Christian faith, but have no objective reason for believing it. I'll give you a perfect example. There's a belief, very common belief that's, that's in our city, that's growing, that's growing in our nation, growing around the world by God's grace, and that is that all people, uh, regardless of race and ethnicity, are equal and have dignity, value, and worth. and should be treated that way, right? I think everybody would, 99% of people on the street would say yes. Now, if you ask them why they believe it, they say, well, I just believe it. Um, I think it's right. But if you ask them to tell you why you should believe it, you'll find someone who doesn't have an objective reason. Let me point to this reason out here why every single person should believe that every person is equal and deserves dignity and value. Because there's nothing in nature that inherently teaches us that. There's nothing in this materialistic world that would teach us that. In fact, if we look at nature, it would kind of say, you need to watch out for your own, right? You need to protect your own, you need to be about your own. But as Christians, it's pretty easy for us. There's a pretty easy reason for us to say why we believe that all people have dignity, value, and worth. We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, who created us in his image. All people, regardless of race, ethnicity, or abilities, mental, physical abilities, uh, or, or, or diminished abilities, are all made in the image of God and worthy of dignity, value, and worth. 
So we have what the, what the creed gives us is it reminds us of some of the objective reasons why we believe what we believe. Um, so I encourage you, if you're not a Christian and you're just joining us for the season or maybe you're reconnecting with the church, uh, I wanna encourage you to, to consider your own beliefs as you go through this series and then consider uh, these beliefs as God has laid them out. I also encourage you to bring your doubts. I know we all struggle, right? We, we struggle to have a perfect faith. Uh, and the beautiful thing about scripture is, is it doesn't, doesn't pull its punches on that. One of my favorite stories is, is a, uh, that Je- in Jesus's lifetime, he's talking to a man who uh, wants Jesus to heal his daughter, and he says, would you heal my daughter? And Jesus says, do you believe I can do it? And what does he say? I believe, help my unbelief. Anybody else been there? You wanna believe, but you struggle? And I love that scripture says, yeah, that's, that's a reality. So even as we affirm the Apostles' Creed together, we struggle, we all struggle at times to believe it, to cling to it, to really appropriate it uh, to our lives. Now, if you're a book person, uh, just to encourage you as a companion book, it's not a big book. You could read it easily devotionally for this series, but it's called The Apostles' Creed by a guy named Ben Myers. It's a little thin book, but it has like, on each section of the Apostles' Creed, there's, there's a good reading that reflects on it and helps us to, to think deeply about it. But we're not preaching the Apostles' Creed today. We are gonna read it, uh, but I'm, I'm not preaching it. Um, so let's read it together, though, and then we'll go to Romans 10 where we talk about faith. All right, so let's look. Uh, is it on the screen? No. It is now. Okay, let's say this together, nice and loud. I believe in God, the Father, almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, He is seated at the right hand of the Father and will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, we're gonna have some fun stuff in there. The weeks descended into hell, most contentious one, right? That's gonna be fun to talk about. And then the Catholic Church thing, right? Like, we're not Catholic. I know. It's gonna be fun. Um, the word Catholic literally just means universal. That's why I left, we leave it in there because it, it, we can be part of the small c, Catholic church, universal church, but not the proper noun name Catholic church. So let's look at Romans 10 then. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles. And we're gonna talk about I believe. And what we're gonna see here uh, is that we gain clarity, we, gain ex- uh, we experience connection, we embrace formation, and we affirm a framework through the Apostles' Creed. And what, what this passage in Romans is doing for us is outlining about belief, about the core of what actually happens and what it means to believe in uh, Jesus, and thus the, the core of the Apostles' Creed. So listen to what Paul says. <clears throat> Follow along. When I'm done, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord he would respond by saying, thanks be to God. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, 
that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing the riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Clarity, connection, formation, framework. So clarity. Through the Apostles' Creed, we gain clarity to our, the central affirmation of the Christian faith. You notice Paul says, and he's, he's drawing attention to this in Romans, that there's nothing in the Apostles' Creed that says, um, you know, I believe that I should be a good person. I believe that I should go to church every week. I believe that I should be nice to other people. I believe that I should give some of my money away. I believe none of that's there, is there? What is the Apostles' Creed about? It's all about what God has done, is doing, and will do. And so what faith, Paul, Paul is drawing attention to those who lived under Moses who thought that they got to God by what they did, that they followed all the rules. But Paul is saying, no, it's by faith. It's by faith in Jesus. And so this, this idea of, of clarity, of, of, of the Apostles' Creed bringing us clarity connects with what we actually believe as Christians. And when I say believe, this is not like believe like you might believe in aliens or you might believe that, that you're gonna get that promotion next year. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about belief like you're going into the hospital and you believe the chemotherapy will heal you. That, that the doctors have said there's a 100% chance if you take this chemotherapy, it'll heal you. go in believing that. That's what the belief looks like here. It's not mere knowledge or intellectual assent. The, the, even the idea of, of faith in, in, this, in the uh, Greek language here is, is not just knowledge. How many of you know things you're supposed to do, but don't do them? Right? <laughs> we have the knowledge. Right? We're supposed to work out consistently three times a week. We're supposed to not eat certain types of food all the time. We're supposed to do this or that or the other, but we don't do it. So it's not about mere knowledge. There's something, yes, you have to have the information in order to believe. It's not just belief. It's not just faith generally, generic faith. It's faith in specific realities, but faith that we live out. Look at Verses nine and 10, let's just say it again. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So what he's connecting with is what's in here with what's out here. I'm I believe in my heart, I confess with my mouth, which means I'm confessing with my life. And so the Apostles' Creed gives us clarity about the core of what we're confessing. 
If someone wants to know what the Christian faith is about, you're having a conversation with someone and they're like, help me to understand all this stuff. I don't know about this, that, or the other. I get confused by the Bible. I don't know about these miracles, things. The Apostles' Creed is a really great place to start. And in fact, it was used as a catechism for believers, not just, not just at their baptism, but leading up to their baptism. What does it mean that we call God our Father? Um, and, and so on and so forth. So the Apostles' Creed gives us clarity, and it helps maintain the clarity of the core of the Christian faith. This is one of the reasons why, by the way, we can, we can be united with other churches across denominational uh, backgrounds and experiences. If, if we can confess the Apostles' Creed together, there is a level of unity, right? There's a level of connection, and that brings us to the second idea. So it's not just about clarity, it's about connecting the Apostles' Creed, the, the truths in the Apostles' Creed connect the church across space and time. Whether it was the early Christians in the Roman Empire who were, when they were being baptized, were saying the Apostles' Creed or parts of it, uh, or whether it's us sitting in, in Brookline, Massachusetts in 2021, reading it together. Today, around the globe, there are Christians who, who said this as part of their service. This is the core um, of, the, of the Christian faith, and it also is what connects us across every conceivable human divide. Think about how liberating that is. Why, how does the, why, why do we talk about unity? Why do we talk about community as being one of the core values of our church? And it's, and it's rooted in the fact that we have a core that we, we hold to together. That's what unifies us, Jesus. It's around this gospel. It's around the truth of, that, the, that the Apostles' Creed holds that we agree. We might differ on some other things. And listen, we will. We are going to differ. But the beautiful thing about this is that Christians, we, we, when we press into this, we work from unity to appropriate that and live that out. We don't work for unity. And that's part of the problem is as long as we feel like it's up to us to somehow we've got to manufacture unity, then we're gonna fail because we can't do that. We have too many differences. But if God, it's God's word and the truth of the gospel that unites us, then we can begin to work through that. And yes, there's big differences. And yes, we're all coming from different backgrounds. And yes, we all think differently and we all have different experiences. But the, the great thing is we can learn from each other. We can grow in practical unity from our uh, spiritual unity in Christ. And Paul says in verse 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. I like what Jenny Allen said here. She said, there are some essential things that the Bible makes clear. There are things God did not make perfectly clear, but what is clear we stand on and we stand in unity. And that's why the Apostles' Creed has been used by so many churches. It is around the core of who we are and what we believe. You know, there's, there's something that happens as we experience that connection and unity. There's a strength there. There's a strength there that where we hold each other, we, we, we care for each other, we support each other through this truth. Um, you know, I've, I've shared this story before, but uh, it's been several years, but I'll never forget Teresa and I getting to go out to, uh, to Northern California, and we got to go to uh, Big Sur and then go to Yosemite. And, you know, I thought they had big trees around here, but I've never seen anything like the redwood. Everybody was like, they're huge. You can't get your mind around it. And I just remember standing at the foot of some of them and just being, I just, 
It was so beautiful. I was inspired by God, like what he had made there. But one of the interesting things about redwood trees is they don't grow roots deep. They grow forever. Like some of them are, you know, 1,500 years old or more, uh, some of the big ones. But they don't grow their roots deep. They grow their roots wide, which is why redwood trees tend to grow in healthy ones, grow in groves together. The tallest ones in the world are, are interconnected with other smaller redwood trees around them. Do you see the picture here? <laughs> we don't have the roots by ourselves to stand on our own, but when we're connected with the body of Christ through the truths in the Apostles' Creed, and we affirm that together, we remind each other of that, there's a strength there that helps us to endure everything. So there's a connection. Thirdly, there's an, uh, a formation that happens through the Apostles' Creed. We are formed by what we dwell on. Or to put it another way, what we believe and affirm shapes us. It can't help but do that. If you dwell on what is wrong with your life, you'll inevitably be down, right? You'll be a down person. If you dwell on the ways you failed other people, you'll be discouraged. Uh, if you spend all your time dwelling on the things you don't have and, and thinking about the things you wish you did have, you would be an, you'll be an ungrateful person. And the flip side is true, isn't it? Uh, research has shown, like study after study on people, uh, and, and they'll take them and they'll say, um, okay, every day for the next 30 days, once a day, when you get up in the morning, you're gonna take uh, a few seconds and you're gonna write down three things you're thankful for that day. And isn't it interesting that nearly everybody who does that for 30 days, at the end of 30 days, finds themselves more full of joy, more grateful for their lives. And it's because truths shape us. What we believe shape us and mold us. What we believe about ourselves, what we believe about others, what we believe about the world. And what if these truths, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, this idea of all that God was doing, really did shape us day in and day out? I think about some of you that are in, um, in medicine. And uh, I, I mean, the 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 hours and, and years that you spend studying the human body and just coming to understand that for whatever, or whatever aspect of it you study. Um, and, and what happens is, is uh, after a while, after you spent so much time, your, your brain is so shaped by these things that you don't have to shift gears into thinking about it. It, it, it comes second nature to you. When, when, when someone mentions their back hurt, you're automatically thinking about the 32 things that could be causing their back to hurt. Uh, it's not a gear shift, it's who you are. It's, it's flowing out because you have been formed, your thinking has been formed, the way that you're approaching the world. What if, and that's just medicine, what about if we, we really sink our minds and our hearts into the truths of who God is? Who God is, who Jesus is, who the Spirit is. Think about how that forms people over time. And as we dwell on these truths, uh, they shape us. And the, the Apostles' Creed helps us in this because it's, it's a summary, right? It's a summary of what we believe. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. How many of us struggle with self-centeredness? Okay, five of you, the rest of you. Well, I'm not gonna say what you are. Um, but you're not truth tellers, right? We all struggle with self-centeredness. We all do. We all struggle with thinking of ourselves. We all think, uh, dwell on our world, dwell on what's wrong, dwell on what could be right, dwell on what our hopes and dreams are, dwell on what other, we want other people to do for us. But how often do we 
stop and think about others, but, but if our life is centered on God the Father, almighty creator of heaven and earth, who made me, I belong to him. It reorients my thinking, it reorients how I, how I live. And let's face it, when you're living a self-centered life, you're not happy. Listen, I'm not happy when I'm a bad husband because I'm being selfish. And it's not just because Teresa can let me know that I'm being selfish uh, sometimes in no uncertain terms. Um, it's because there's something in me that's not happy. I'm not finding peace. I'm not flourishing as a human being. But, but when my heart is caught up in God, when my mind is dwelling on God, I'm a better husband. I'm a better friend. I'm a better pastor. I'm a better father. All of these things flow out of the idea that, that, that I am pulled out of myself. And so what we get to do in community together is, is help shape each other, form each other through the affirmation that God is God and I am not. God is God and I am not. If we really believe that every single day, how much would that change our anxiety? How much would that change our fears about the future? How much would that change about we're so worried about so-and-so and what they're gonna say about us or think about us? So the Apostles' Creed helps ground us and put us, uh, give us handles and truths that we can live by. And I would argue coming out of this, this uh, series on the schemes of the enemy that uh, Satan works around lies, right? So the Apostles' Creed is a great follow-up for this because what we're saying is you, you, don't, you don't, here's the thing, you don't defeat the enemy by thinking a lot about the enemy. You think you defeat the enemy by dwelling on God, by drawing near to God, by focusing on God. So the Apostles' Creed, I'm hopeful for all of us, because many have told me how much the scheme series was helpful for them, I hope gives us a foundation and some direction to go, this is how we fight well. We, we think well about who God is, and then our hearts, our faith grow in who God is. And what a great opportunity for us as we reset this summer as a church. What are we gonna reset around better than, than the Apostles' Creed, the, the idea of, of why our church even exists? So then when we relaunch in September, hopefully we have a stronger foundation. We've been formed this summer. And that brings us to the final idea that the Apostles' Creed gives us a framework. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't know this for, I didn't make this observation for years. And I, I, I don't remember reading it, so maybe it's mine, but it's probably Tim Keller's. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna claim it until somebody proves it otherwise. But the Apostles' Creed is written as a story. The story of the entire universe, all peoples, times and places, all in one story. I believe in God the Father, almighty, maker of heaven and earth, creation, and at the end, life eternal, right? This is the story that you and I find ourselves in. And I am convinced, despite the fact that our culture says, oh, you need to live out your truth. You need to be, uh, experience your truth. What's true for you is not true for them and true for them and true for you and true for everyone. And, uh, but what if there are, is truth? And I actually would argue something deep inside of us longs for that big, real truth that we're all part of. Why do I say that? Well, because whether it's, the Marvel movies, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, or Star Wars. Hopefully I hit everybody somewhere in there. <laughs> what do they all have in common? They're all about this epic story of something happening that these people are a part of, right? 
this larger narrative, this larger storyline. And we love that the story has a beginning and the story resolves at the end. I mean, what if, what if Marvel uh, had ended at Infinity War? Well, I, for one, would be losing my mind. I'd probably be starting a petition that, that you know, to, to sue Marvel for not wrapping that storyline up any better. Because who won? Thanos, the bad guy, destroyed half of life in the universe. Sorry if that's a spoiler. Um, but he did. And, and we, but we love the end, right? We love the storyline and their suffering. But the beauty of it is that, that whether it's you know, the Lord of the Rings and the little hobbits or whether it's superheroes or, or you know, magicians uh, or, or wizards or whatever, uh, they, they all are part of this epic story that's moving somewhere. And listen, I, I believe more so maybe than any human beings have ever needed it, we need it in our culture. This frenetic, distracting, information-driven culture we need to be pulled back and be able to look at the picture. Because how do you make sense of your life, your family, your work, your calling? How do you make sense of, of, of suffering and disease? How do you make sense of, of, of good times and bad if there's not a larger story? But if, you're, if, if now all of a sudden our lives are part of this greater story and, and God's writing it and we're part of it, we get to leverage our lives for something bigger than ourselves, then all of a sudden everything plays into that, right? How I spend my money, how I spend my time. So the Apostles' Creed reminds us of what we're made for. And this idea that something so much bigger so much more powerful, so much more significant than our little lives, but our little lives get to be a part of it. You know, Jesus told the story of the kingdom of God being like a mustard seed. I don't know if anybody's seen one. I, I think we've got a few in our cabinet somewhere. I remember looking at them and thinking, really? Like, they are very small. They're not the smallest seed in the world, but they are a very small seed, and, and the mustard plant grows, and it grows so big that that Jesus says that birds will actually nest in it, right? And he says the kingdom of God is like that, it begins with a small kernel and it begins to spread and it begins to grow and it changes and impacts things around it. And what you and I get to, get to have is, is, is that seed, right? That seed, and, and Paul was talking about this at the end of, of our, our reading where he says uh, about how, how will they then call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have not never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Now, don't be, don't, I'm preaching right now, but that's not that word. The word preaching here is really declaring. Anytime you share the gospel with someone, you are preaching according to what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about a service on Sunday. He's talking about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with someone. So we share that news. That seed gets passed, it spreads, and it grows, Right? What an amazing thing that we get to be a part of. And the Apostles' Creed, it might feel like a doctrinal series, like we're just studying doctrine and making sure we think rightly, and it's true, but this is not about mere ideas. This is about belief that transforms the way we live our lives day in and day out. So if you're not a Christian, come on the ride. This is gonna be a fun ride as you, look, get, to, you get to explore. The, the, this is the Cliff Notes of Christianity, right? Somebody's like, well, I have a hard time believing in Noah's Ark. I'm like, let's forget about Noah's Ark. Not essential. Doesn't say I believe in Noah's Ark, right? Says I believe in God the Father. Let's, let's start with God the Father, almighty maker, uh, maker of heaven and earth. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. 
Let's talk about those things, because if you get those things and you got those things, you're a Christian. Now, Noah's Ark, yeah, it's in the word. We should think about it, we should reflect on it, we should look at it, and I think we should try to understand it. But it's not essential for a person to become a Christian. And so I, I've, I've told people like, let's, let's, listen, Noah's Ark, I don't know. I mean, I'm confused too. I, I, there's, there's lots of reasons to, that Christians might differ on some things there. But there are things that all Christians, by definition, by the essential nature of what it means to be a Christian, hold to. And that's what the Apostle Creed captures for us. It's not everything that's, that, that Christians really should hold to, but it is the core of it. And so I invite you on that journey. If you're a Christian, reroute your faith in this series. Let me challenge you to do something. Remember what I said earlier about, um, about the, the person who gets up in the morning and names three things they're thankful for every day? What if you made the Apostles' Creed your prayer each morning? You just prayed to God. You said, God, I believe you're my Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. And you just prayed, used the Apostles' Creed as a prayer. You can do it in a minute. But if you did that every day, every morning when you woke up, before you got out of your bed, before you even got your crusty eyes cleaned out, brushed your teeth, you just said the Apostles' Creed in your own bed as a prayer to God, does anybody think your faith might grow a little bit? Does anybody think you might, you might, uh, you might be formed a little bit over those 30 days? I believe we will. So I wanna encourage you, let this be a journey for you as a Christian, not of like, oh yeah, I remember all this stuff, but let it be a time to be formed and have your faith re-rooted, reset, right? All right, let's pray together. God, we thank you for the Apostles' Creed. We know that while it's not infallible like scripture, it's, it, is, it is the core truths that you reveal in your scripture to us. Summarized, it's been used by your church for, for a millennia and a half. And we're grateful for the truth that's there that we can sink our hearts and our minds into. But, but God, I pray that it's not just an intellectual pursuit, that you would help us to, to better see you as Father, better see Jesus as our Savior and Lord, and better see the Holy Spirit and what he is doing in us through us and the vision of one day you returning to this world and undoing all that is broken, undoing every injustice, bringing fullness and restoration. We look forward to that day. In the meantime, Jesus, keep us, keep us close in your name, amen.